Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? We are joined by best friend of the podcast, Matt Wyrick. You guys can give him a follow on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick. And make sure you head on over to NBC Sports Washington to keep up with all of Matt's latest pieces and all things Nats and other DC sports. I said we, but it's just me, Matt, and I are the only ones on this interview. It's going to be our first solo. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that, Matt. Yeah, man. Now that Nick's out of the way, we can finally work with this chemistry that we've built up, uh, you know, over these years. I think I think we can produce some good content here. I'm excited. Exactly. I mean, we are the real stars of the interviews we do, and the weekling's out of the way right now, so things things are great. <laughs> Can't complain, man. Can't complain. <laughs> so, gonna gonna have to start off with the the annoying topic that's all over Twitter right now. All of MLB Twitter is very excited because Buster only had an article saying that an exact thinks the Nats might be motivated to trade Juan Soto. Is there any, any scenario where Juan Soto gets traded or any truth whatsoever to this Buster only report? I mean, let's be honest, you know, if a rival exec is saying Juan Soto might be available, isn't that a bit convenient for the rival exec? You know, (laughs) that's just me. Uh, I'm sure other teams would love to see uh, Juan Soto on the trade market, but I really just don't think it makes any sense on a variety of fronts for Soto to be moved at this point. I mean, the Nationals are still hoping to be competitive within a three-year window. Mike Rizzo hasn't said exactly as much, but he's talked a lot about how he took over the team in 2009 and they won 98 games in 2012. And he said something along the lines of, you do the math. So, you know, that's kind of what the Nationals are looking at as Soto's last year in D.C. as kind of rising back to contention. And if you trade Soto, all that's going to do is extend things. And then there's the side of it where the Nationals are being put up for auction potentially. And if you are going to sell the Nationals, I don't think that there is any doubt uh, that it is a better asset, a more lucrative asset with Juan Soto signed uh, than Juan Soto off the team. 
uh, especially with the dearth of other stars that the Nationals have at the moment. So uh, I really don't think that there's any chance the Nationals trade Soto at this point. I think you try to extend him, you offer him, you know, the world and maybe, maybe next offseason, if you really feel like Soto isn't going to sign with the team, okay, maybe we talk about potentially trading him. But I think you have to get to the offseason and really go in there and say, how does 450 million sound? How does 475 million sound? Are we approaching 500? You know, it's it can't be about money when it comes to a player of his caliber. So if you are willing to pay the price and he's not willing to sign, I think that's really the only way the Nationals would trade Soto. And I'm glad you brought up the potential sale of this team because I kind of think that's the elephant in the room when it comes to just about every single topic with this team. How could a potential new ownership group make things a little more complicated on the Juan Soto front? I mean, really, it's the timing of it. It's when, how exactly far along are the learners in this process? Are they actually going to sell the team? Are they going to bring in a minority owner? We still don't know which of the two is going to happen. If they even do anything, they could have a change of heart and decide that they don't like what they're getting offered and decide to hold on to the team. Onto the team. Uh, but really, it depends, you know, how, where Soto is comfort wise with signing an extension with a team that doesn't have ownership certainty moving forward. I mean, we're talking 15 year, 12 year deals here. When we're talking about Soto, how can he commit the next decade and a half of his life to an organization? If he doesn't know who's going to be paying his paychecks, you know, that's, that's a really important aspect. So uh, with the team being in a rebuild uh, you know, we, we heard from the Washington post that Mike Rizzo uh, and Davey Martinez are potentially in the last year of their contracts. Uh, the new ownership could come in and want to clean house and start fresh. You know, there's just so many, there's so much uncertainty, so much we don't know about where this team is headed that it's really impossible to project where this team is going to be in a couple of years simply because we don't know who's going to be calling the shots on multiple levels. Yeah, and it's, it's really interesting because especially when the team is trying to sell when they're rebuilding, historically it adds a couple of years to the rebuild. You know, new ownership comes in and they want their own guys from the top to the bottom. And, you know, a couple of years of Juan Soto is going to be hitting free agency. So that adds a layer there. And you mentioned Davey and Rizzo. There's Washington Post article came out how um, no one is commenting on it. Do you think Davey and Rizzo are going to be back or are they exclusively tied to if this team sells or not? I mean, I think that it is more than likely they will be back. I mean, if you are a new ownership group, and you say this sale goes through quickly and you come in before the end of the season, then you might think, okay, we don't pick up these options and we start fresh. I think that's the only way that they, really they don't pick up that option. But even if the ownership group does come in this off season or during the season, you know, they're already in the middle of a rebuild. Now you wait, why don't you wait and see what these two world series winners can do? I mean, we can hardly blame Davey for the state of the nationals, you know, winning percentage uh, right now. I think that, you know, he won a world series. He has that credit to his resume. Mike Rizzo obviously built a world series winning team, but not also that, but also a decade long contender rising up from the ashes. That was the 2009 nationals. So, uh, you know, they have track records of success. And if somebody were to come in, not knowing the organization, you know, top to bottom, like the learners do now, you would probably want to see, okay, Rizzo has put this plan into place. 
I, I wouldn't want to put somebody else in to finish the job. You know, I would want to see Rizzo try to finish that out and see what he can make of it. I mean, he has his warts, you know, he, they haven't been able to develop pitching. The farm system really fell off there uh, towards the end of their contention window. And it was the reason they had to jump into this rebuild in the first place. So, you know, there are certainly reasons to consider moving on from both of these guys. I mean, Davey Martinez, his overall winning percentage, even in seasons that the Nationals were supposed to be good, is not very good. So, you know, those are both warts on their resumes. But uh, where the Nationals, the state of their rebuild, you know, with Soto still under contract, if I'm a new ownership group, I'm probably not messing with it for at least another year to see how things progress. You know, you find out what that timeline, you, what they expect it to be. You set goals. And if they don't meet those goals, OK, we're going to move on once their contracts expire uh, after 2023. I can see a situation that kind of just homes in on the brutal, the brutalness of sports where they keep Davey and Rizzo. And as soon as his team's ready to contend, they fire Davey and bring in the new coach just because that's kind of how the brutalness of the sports goes. Get um, ordered. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> Davey will be uh, calling Madison games then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hopefully he's not uh, as – we'll go with the word choppy uh, as Porter was. <laughs> so moving off some of the bigger picture topics of the Nats, looking at some of the day-to-day guys, Josh Bell. Absolutely love him. I am so happy that Josh Bell is having an unreal season. He did an interview with Fox News where he credits his change in his batting practice approach. And as odd as it is, it's working. But as much as it pains me, do we think Josh Bell is the likeliest player on this team to be moved at the deadline? I think he's got to be considered the most likely player to be moved. Uh, You know, coming into the season, it was probably him and Nelson Cruz were the two top candidates. And right now I can't imagine too many teams would be very interested in trading for Cruz, certainly not giving up uh, much prospect capital. I expect him to still, you know, come around and, and put together a productive season, but you know, we are seeing, you know, he showed a little bit of signs of life there, but now he's fallen back into a slump a little bit Had a couple of walks yesterday. Uh, but really isn't hitting in those key spots the Nationals need him to. Uh, Bell, on the other hand, has just been the best hitter on the Nationals, even with Juan Soto included. Uh, you know, he's, he's fallen off the last couple of days. He went 0 for 5 yesterday. That kind of broke down his numbers a little bit. But overall, you know, he has been just dynamite from both sides of the plate, really uh, up and down at first base, I'd say. I think he probably profiles more. Uh, as a DH, which the DH being in the National League increases the number of suitors that could be interested in him this year. So that is an important thing for the Nationals. But uh, I would imagine that since there has been absolutely no traction on any kind of extension talks between the two sides, uh, the Nationals don't seem to be too motivated to lock him up. I think that Bell is most likely gone uh, after this year ahead of his uh, free agency this offseason. Absolutely pains me but it just makes too much sense to not, especially since you could probably get a pretty decent haul for him. Young guy, instead of signing a 30-year-old or probably not going to be competing in the terms of that contract, stinks, but I get it. Um, The Nats have been, for lack of a better word, hard to watch this season. Um, You put out a fantastic article, and if you guys have not read it, please head on to NBC Sports Washington and check out Matt's latest piece we talked about how Ruiz and Josiah Gray both showed great flashes in the game against Miami. How excited has this front office? Sorry, let me rephrase that. How excited do you think this front office is seeing 
both of them shining and being honestly some of the better players on this team, you know, the first 30 some odd games into the season after they traded two cornerstone players. Yeah. I mean, if with this team being in the state of the rebuild that it's in, you know, wins and losses aren't very important right now. What's important is the bigger picture and the young players that they have in house coming through and showing signs of life signs that they can be building blocks of the future. And so far, really the, the only two players, maybe you can throw Yohan Adon into that group, but the only two players who have really shown a lot this season are Josiah Gray and K-Bet Ruiz, who of course were the two blockbuster uh, prospects they acquired in the deal with the Dodgers last trade deadline in exchange for Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. Uh, Josiah Gray has been, you know, had some mixed results, certainly, you know, had that rough outing first inning, first two innings really, uh, against the Astros last week, that kind of ballooned his ERA. But overall, his strikeout to walk ratio is very strong. He's been limiting hits on a, on a nightly basis, uh, and the Nationals are winning his games. They're five and three uh, in his start so far this year, while they only have eight wins in all other games this entire season. So Gray has been uh, a must-watch every time he takes the mound. And Kevin Ruiz, I mean, honestly, I don't think you can say enough about the guy, especially on defense. He has been awesome behind the dish. That was his prospect profile coming into the major leagues was that he was more of a defensive first catcher, but that his offense was coming around. And that's kind of what we've seen this year. The defense right away was really good. He was blocking balls, especially last night, blocked a few balls in crucial moments. there, just playing really good defense beyond his years. He's throwing out runners at an incredible rate. His arm looks like one of the best arms uh, of any catcher in baseball. And with his big night yesterday, which he went three for three with two doubles, two walks and a single, including the RBI double to drive in the go-ahead run in the 10th inning. Uh, he raises OPS to 726 on the season. That's third in the majors among qualified catchers, Wilson Contreras and Dalton Varsho, who Varsho is playing a little bit of center field. So he kind of counts, uh, but not really. Uh, you know, there is a case to be made that Kbert Ruiz is building a, a quiet all-star case right now. Uh, and with the Nationals, you know, having Bell and Soto being uh, candidates as well, you know, the Nationals could end up sending three players to the All-Star game if those three guys continue on their paces. I absolutely love the fact that Gray and Ruiz are shining. Um, I was a little mad that I couldn't buy Ruiz's jersey at the team store for yeah. whatever. Makes what was that? no sense whatsoever. Like, they had Josh Bell, which is great, but odds he's here next year not very, very good yeah. and they don't have someone's gonna be here for six years doesn't make sense i mean the lane thomas jersey isn't really jumping off the shelves for you <laughs> i prefer to not talk about him <laughs> <laughs> i was i was a big believer in lane thomas coming in the year i'll admit and he has uh he has looked a bit lost out there at the plate uh with yadiel hernandez hitting the way he has certainly you know we talk about ruiz and uh Josiah Gray is guys that are important to the Nationals and showing out this year. Thomas was one of those guys too, obviously acquired at the deadline in the John Lester deal. And honestly, you could say that the production he had down the stretch last year made it worth trading it, trading for him. I mean, from what Lester had given the Nationals last year, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been a rough go for, for Thomas this year. He's also had some troubles in the outfield. Uh, his arm hasn't really been great though he did make a really nice throw that was just a tad late throw to runner at home yesterday um but overall he has been a bit shaky uh in the outfield as well so really really not what we were hoping to see from lane thomas this year yeah i mean in that i feel like that kind of put a little bit of a wrench 
in a way in the Nationals' plans. I feel like with the way he exploded last year, they thought maybe they can get some of that production this year. Um, they probably should have invested in the analytics department beforehand because all the analytics said the year he was having this year was likely going to come. But you mentioned Yadiel Hernandez. This is a guy that I didn't think anything of. I was like, he's 34 years old. He's a career-long minor leaguer. I don't care. The dude rakes. Like, he is absolutely raking. Do you think that is someone that could potentially be traded at the deadline? Or with the struggles of Victor Robles and Lane Thomas, will the Nats hold on to him and try to have at least one outfielder that can hit at least league average? You know, I think that like like we've talked about, the wins and the losses aren't going to matter. You know, the putting the production on the field at this moment is not the most important thing. It's the long view, uh, and if you can get anything uh, in a trade for Yadiel Hernandez, which the way he's hitting right now, it certainly seems like you might be able to. Like we said with the DH, there's certainly possibilities uh, for him to hit out there, especially being a left-handed bat. Uh, you know, I think that the Nationals would absolutely explore that. I mean, he's a very rare case in that he's 34 years old, but has four years of control uh, because he was such a late bloomer and didn't reach the major leagues until 2020. His first full season was last year. Uh, you know, any team that acquires him would theoretically have him through his age 38 season, which I don't know how valuable that is. Uh, to have a player, you know, under uh, that many years of control at that age. But, you know, I asked Yadiel, you know, you put it like a date or a year on when you think you might retire. And he said, I'm going to go until my body says I can't anymore. So he certainly seems like he has more plans of playing for a while. So if he can continue to hit like he has, uh, you know, I think that there absolutely are going to be some teams that could be interested in him. Uh, you know, his defense out in left field, it kind of is what it is at this point. You know, he's not a you know a spry chicken. He's not going to really improve that much, uh, no matter how many reps he's taken out there. So uh, it, it, you kind of have to take that with him if you are acquiring him. But you know, at the end of the day, offense is going to be the most important thing. And if he hits like he does, uh, and he's hitting a lot of balls to the warning track too. He really hasn't hit a lot of home runs yet. I think that you know that's something that's coming along so more a little bit more slowly for him, but will come soon. Uh, you know. I think he could be absolutely a valuable asset to a contender looking for a lefty bat. He's, he's such an interesting guy, the peg, especially on what his return could be because he's old and like, he doesn't have that much like sustainability, not sustainability, but he hasn't been in the league that long. So you don't know if this is going to be around mm-hmm. he's producing. So it's a very, very interesting situation. And I kind of hope a team's like, all right, here, here's a top 15 prospect of ours. Take him because yeah. that'd be an absolute win. <laughs> He's kind of like a, a rental plus, I guess, you know, yeah. like, cause you're, you're obviously you're acquiring him for what he's going to give you this year. And then anything he's going to give you after that is going to be gravy. And for the nationals, you know, they were, you know, when you trade uh, a guy like Josh Bell, right. You were expecting to trade him uh, at the beginning of the year, most likely, uh, you know, you were kind of game planning around maybe the prospects you could get Yadio Hernandez, anything you get from him is going to be gravy. You know, he was a lifelong minor leaguer who, surprised everybody when he made it to the majors and actually showed he could stick around. So, uh, you know, the nationals, I think if, if you can get any kind of semblance of rental plus value, that's going to be a huge win to the nationals front office. Oh, hundred percent agree. And I've like, I haven't wanted to ask about it just because I try to forget that this team has done this many things, but I feel like we kind of need to talk about the just unreal errors. This team makes every single night. 
Soto went to third on the ball hit in front of him, didn't get up, double play. The three runs given up on a ground ball short, the two runs given up on a pickoff attempt. Like, who is responsible for this? Like, is this just like, you know, things that they're missing in coaching, which like I feel like it shouldn't be because these are little league mistakes, or is this just like the ultimate squad of just rad tag players where these things are going to happen every single night? You know, I, the defense has been really surprising to me. I mean, the Nationals have two gold glovers up the middle in Cesar Hernandez and Alcides Escobar. They have former gold glove finalists in Juan Soto and Victor Robles out in the, out in the outfield. You have a potential future gold glover in Kbet Ruiz behind the plate. I mean, this is supposed to be, you know, those are all the, the positions up the middle. Those are, this is supposed to be a defensively sound team, especially with all those veterans I just mentioned. And yet here we are seeing the mistakes. And I kind of break up, you know, we're about tomorrow will be the official one, one fourth mark of the national season. Right. And I kind of break up this first 25% of the season defensively into three parts. There was the first like 10, 12 games. when that's defense was awesome. It was lights out. They were throwing guys out. D strange Gordon had an outfield assist. I remember Alcides Escobar made a couple of great plays against the Mets uh, in that opening series. You know, it looked like the defense was going to be a real strength for this team. Uh, and then we started seeing a lot of throwing errors, it was throwing errors, throwing errors. And the way Davey Martinez described that part was uh, he really honed in on that left side of the infield with Alcides Escobar and Michael Franco, who are the two team leaders and errors at this point, uh, saying that they were lazy mistakes. He actually called them out and said, you know, these are veteran guys. Basically, they know better. They need to be playing more aggressive. Uh, and then these last 10 games here uh, have really, maybe, maybe like eight games, really, where the errors have really started to pile up is where the Nationals really seem to be pressing now. You know, their their record has really slipped. They're right there in line with the Reds for the worst record in baseball. And it seems like they're trying to win the game on every single throw. And that's why they're making these crazy errors, you know, lapses in judgment, not thinking the play through. Uh, you know, a, a lot of times these errors that the Nats are making, especially the, the first, I can't believe I have to say this, but the first time they had two errors in one play, uh, you know, if the Nats had just held on to the ball at home plate, you know, you eliminate any chance of any runners advancing. Uh, there was really no need to throw it at all. Uh, and yet they try to force it out over at third and you end up giving up an extra run. So it's things like that where the Nationals are just trying to, you know, steal an out, steal a run kind of deal. And they're doing that on the base paths, too. Uh, because they feel like they're not getting enough runs and not preventing enough runs, uh, that it's just making them make poor decisions and ultimately have these kind of outcomes that we're seeing. I would expect the defense to improve, but you know, at, at this point, with 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 the morale that is around this team at the moment, it's been a lot of quiet clubhouses after games. I got to tell you, and you know, from covering this team in previous years, that is just not what Davey Martinez clubhouses are typically like. So uh, that is definitely a sign that this this entire losing season is definitely getting to some of these players. I mean, I'd, I'd have to think it was, I mean, what just every single night, it seems like there's a mistake that like they shouldn't make as a major league team. And you mentioned we're at the one quarter mark. They lead the league in errors. They're tied for last in fielding percentage. They're 26 in defensive runs saved. None of that's good. One of the guys though, He's only made one error in minor leagues who could potentially help with some defense is Luis Garcia. When are we finally going to see Luis Garcia so I can be freed of Alcides Escobar? 
So I will say, I think my tweet was a little misleading with, that you're referencing. He had one, he had 26 straight games without an error, but he did start the season with four errors in five games. So he did have a rough start, but then he went 26 straight games, which was over 200 innings uh, without an error until he did, I believe it was two days ago now. Had so an error and so one error on the season. Yeah. Those, those so first four don't count. They don't count. Right. Okay. Now we're glad we're on the same page. Um, but yeah, the, Garcia is a guy that really should be in the major leagues now uh, with the Nationals prioritizing uh, youth development. Getting him in the majors seems to be the next step for him. I mean, he's putting up MVP-esque offensive numbers in AAA. Obviously, the defense is something they want him to work on, and it has been a problem in the past, particularly at shortstop for him. Uh, but he has played very well there. Uh, you know, all reports coming out of Rochester seem to be that he is finding his own at shortstop. But Mike Rizzo says once we bring him up to the major leagues, he is going to be our everyday shortstop, and he is not moving off of that position, and he's not going back down. They want him to stay on the rest of the year and play shortstop. So you, they want to make sure he's absolutely ready. Now, it is a bit convenient because if the Nationals don't call him up by next week, they gain a year of service time uh, on Garcia's clock uh, to then kick an extra year of control down the line because they brought him up so young. He was a 19 year old or sorry, a 20 year old uh, when they brought him up in 2020. Uh, you know, that kind of got that service clock going a little bit earlier than maybe they were you know, expecting to have done injuries kind of paved the way uh, for him to reach the majors, you know, Starling Castro situation as Struble Cabrera got hurt at the time, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so now that Garcia is finally showing offensively, he is ready to go. He is ready to be in the major leagues. I think it's just a matter of time, letting that service clock kick up a year of control uh, and then maybe waiting a week or two. So it's not too obvious. That that's exactly what they did. That's, you know, not off of reporting, but off of my, you know, best guess, knowing this team and, and following this team as to what they're going to do. Yeah. The, the waiting until they get the extra service year, I think has become really, really obvious as much as they're like, well, you know, we just want him to round out his complete game, which is really funny because not a single minor major leaguer, not named Mike Trout <laughs> has round out their whole game. But I digress. Uh, another young guy who's had a lot of up and downs in the major leagues this year is Yon Adon. How much longer do you think he will be up? Yeah, I think that he is definitely going to go back down to the minor leagues at some point this season. Uh, we have Steven Strasburg and Joe Ross working their way back from injuries down in West Palm Beach. I talked to Anibal Sanchez last week. He said he's going to need a couple of rehab starts at some point uh, before he is ready to go, but he is still working his way back uh, from some neck pain as well. So that's three starting pitchers the Nationals hope uh, to get back in their rotation at some point. You know, you got to think that the Aaron Sanchez experiment will, will probably come to an end at that point. Uh, but the next guy off the chopping block is probably Yoan Adone, um, considering that Fetty has actually pitched, you know, kind of decent by Fetty standards this year. Corbin is paid as much as Corbin is paid. And Josiah Gray uh, is obviously here to stay in the major leagues. So uh, they are going to have some kind of roster crunch at some point. And I think Adone is just going to be the odd man out. But uh, I think the Nationals have to like what they've seen from him so far. He's still really young, only 22 years old. Uh, you know, obviously this is his first full season uh, in the majors. He's made eight starts so far, uh, you know, struggled with some run prevention at points. His, his control can be a bit erratic, but when he's throwing strikes, man, I mean, those pitches are filthy. His fastball has been uh, exactly as advertised, a lot of movement on it, uh, gets up there in the velo too. It hit 98 
uh, in his last start against the Marlins. First time this season, he was able to get his velocity up that high. David Martinez talked after the game about how he's throwing more from his legs uh, to get more velocity. That's something that's definitely an encouraging development if you can keep that around. Uh, and then there's his curveball, which he didn't even introduce until 2021 into his repertoire. Uh, and that pitch has really come along for him. So much movement on that. I mean, it's a, a true 12-6 curve uh, and, and really changes the eye level of hitters. So if he can incorporate that changeup, which is kind of his third pitch, uh, as a more consistent pitch, I think that he really will round out into a professional major league starter. And he's somebody that, you know, I wouldn't count on him to be a one or two start in the rotation. But, hey, the Nationals have struggled for years to develop guys three, four, five in that rotation. And if they can do that, and, you know, move forward, as guys like Kate Cavalli, Cole Henry, uh, you know, some other names up in the organization come through, Josiah Gray, of course, too. Uh, you know, if Adon can fit in there in the middle to the back end and be a reliable guy who's going to give him 30 starts a year with a four-something ERA, that's really valuable and something I think the Nationals would certainly take. I was gonna I was gonna say with how this team's player development has gone, if he can even be a five, that's a wing because he came from absolutely nowhere. I mean, if he can be a five. He would have to be the best starting pitcher they've developed since Steven Strasburg. I mean, <laughs> name another one, you know, it's, it's him and Eric Fetty. If you really want to, you know, get brass facts about it. And Fetty has not been consistent enough. I mean, he's bounced back and forth between the rotation, and the bullpen his entire career. So you can hardly say that he's been a consistent number five guy. So, I mean, it really, it really would be him. Yeah. I, I can't dispute that. And that's what makes me so sad. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's been a rough go of it for sure. And, you know, I don't want to say the Nationals lucked into, uh, you know, getting Harper and Strasburg. Obviously, they did luck into getting them back-to-back generational talents of the number one picks, uh, but they had to develop them too. So you got to give them some bit of credit for helping them get reach the major leagues and reach their potential. But, you know, after that, I mean, it has been, it has been really tough. And, you know, there's nobody else you can point to other than Rizzo who – you know, he has a scouting background. This is supposed to be the area that he really succeeds in. It's identifying young talent. And uh, so far, you know, whether or not the talent he's identified has been good enough, uh, the Nationals have just not been able to turn those players into consistent major leaguers. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they they hit on back-to-back number one picks is great. Like you said, there's just been nothing else. Um, my last two questions for you. Circling back. We did our we did our season prediction episode. We're about 30 some odd games into the season. Are you still standing by the Atlanta Braves winning the East? Ah, yes, I am. Um, and I'm saying that on the same day that Max Scherzer uh, went to the injured list with uh, I believe it was an oblique strain, six to eight weeks. He joins uh, Jacob deGrom and Tyler McGill, the Mets are Metsing. Uh, even though they won today uh, on a Pete Alonzo walk-off, this offense is certainly good enough uh, to win the NL East. I'm not saying that I don't think the Mets can do it, uh, but I think that the Braves have been underachieving. Ronald Acuna Jr. has obviously been hurt. Uh, this pitching staff has really been awful uh, in a myriad of ways, in, in ways that, you know, honestly, I thought for years would come through. Finally, when they won the World Series, I said, okay, this rotation is for real. And, you know, to their credit, Max Freed is still very good. Ian Anderson is still very good. Uh, but this pitching staff and the bullpen, really, the bullpen has really struggled. Uh, they just have not been living up to, to expectations. I think that they will come around. I think that the NL East is going to stay tight enough. I don't think the Mets are going to get too much distance where, you know, it's an insurmountable lead 
uh, with, if the Braves really don't catch fire until July or August. Uh, so, you know, I'm sticking by the Braves pick for now. I'm not panicking yet, uh, but certainly the Mets right now do look like the best team in the division. What, what does help is without the Grum, without Max, the Mets have to play the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants, and the Angels, and then the Brewers to start Ugh. June. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that is a ugly, ugly, ugly stretch to be without your top two pitchers. So that's that's going to really test that team and see where they stand after that. Hey, that's, no sleep on Tyler McGill. I mean, he, he looked great against the Nats. He was throwing this really increased velo out of nowhere this year. Apparently brought that into to spring training. He's been their number three starter. So they really yeah. are without their top three. I mean, that's that's some pretty hefty blows. It, it is good news for them. They do have the Nats in between that as a nice little break. But that is a disgusting stretch. Um, last question for you. Say the learners called you, right? And they're like, Matt, we don't know who to sell this team to. We need you to pick the new owner. Who are, who are you picking? Like, If you had to decide who to own this team, where are you going? I mean, you kind of go where the money is uh, when it comes to ownership, right? I mean, we just look at the Mets and their ability to buy Max Scherzer, buy Eduardo Escobar, Mike Canna, you know, give Francisco Lindor 300 plus million dollars. Uh, the Mets have had their dysfunction under Steve Cohen uh, as manager. There have been weird moments. He has been, he's active on Twitter and not really in a good way. Uh, where he's calling out players publicly on social media. That's not anything you ever want to see from your owner. But I think that Mets fans will take all of that with the budget that they have right now. So if if the Nationals would want to jump into an arms race uh, like that, you know, Jeff Bezos seems to be the guy um, that would be the best candidate uh, to spend at those levels. I mean, the Nationals aren't a big, big market team. Like the Mets are, you know, I think they're seventh right now uh, in terms of uh, population and media market size, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, you know, they're they're not necessarily uh, an income, a team that makes enough money to justify that kind of spending. But Steve Cohen is going to spend more money than is justified for him to spend either. Uh, so if the Nationals can get an owner that is willing to do that and willing to spend as much as necessary in order to win, uh, while you have a front office that's uh, identifying talent on cheaper contracts to balance it out, I think that you know that's absolutely the way to go. Especially with Juan Soto, you know, being a free agent in two and a half years, if if you can bring in an owner who is committed to signing Soto to an extension, no matter the cost, that honestly, then you know you could bring in anybody as long as they're willing to do that. Yeah, my 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 answer would be Bezos. Also, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that. Look, the Mets proved. If you want to have a good owner, make sure they're a criminal. And like, you know, Bald Bal Bezos, he, he fits that to a T, you know. Um, there was a really good article about how Cohen is using his hedge fund to like run the Mets, like completely revamp their analytics program. So the Nats are going to get hilarious. like Amazon Web Services, just like completely take over. And there's going to be like the greatest ran team with a billion dollar payroll because who the hell is going to stop Jeff Bezos? Yeah. And Nationals Park will be like Alexa driven. I think you, you could like pay, like get them through security with Alexa and, you know, order everything from your seat, all this all automated stuff, AI everywhere. I mean, it'll be prime field before you know it. 
it's going to be prime field. And then their jerseys are going to be like, there's a truckload more of the prime. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's going to be absolutely perfect. And I cannot wait. And then <laughs> Moss will come by the Braves and like take them to the moon and they'll just cheat and have like an unfair home field advantage. I think I saw a video. I don't know how accurate it was, but it was like with Elon Musk network, he could buy every team in all four major sports and just <laughs> run sports if he chose to. I think it's, I think it's true. I, mean, I, it's like, what, I think it is. Plus million, like that's enough. <laughs> that makes me mad that I don't have that much. <laughs> yeah, just give me one bill, man. And, you know, I, I could do some good things with that. Hey, I could run, I could run the Nats team with that. <laughs> Let's just go in together. We'll get a bill each. We'll run the Nats. Deal. It'll go great. Deal. Everyone listening to this right now, your new ownership group was just formed on Half Street High Heat. You are welcome. Shaq Field, welcome. Field. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be Shaq Field at Verify Matt Wyrick Park. There you go. See, now, <laughs> see the things we can get done without Nick. Exactly. We were able to do this, Ryan. This Greatness. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, it is always an absolute pleasure having you on. And uh, we should do this again sometime. That was great. Yeah, anytime, man. This was um, my first time coming on since the start of the season, so I was glad to kind of run through some of the stuff with you. Exactly. You know, this this team was hard to talk about, but it was a reality we had to face, and I'm glad we did. You guys can find Matt on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick, and make sure you head on over to NBC Sports Washington to keep up with all the fantastic work that Matt keeps pumping out. Thank you so much, Matt. Appreciate it. No problem, Ryan. Anytime. Yep. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go. By the early light of dawn, well, you can see they're running scared. Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are and bursting in the air. Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look. Cause we're putting curly W's in every book. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go. Let's go.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.